Hello friends, we're back on this feed to discuss, debate, and maybe argue about the 2024 Oscars. As was the case last year, the nominees were announced and it turns out we've got a lot of work to do. 2023 was a stellar year for movies. Many important figures of Hollywood made interesting films and there was a very worthy list of nominees. Imagine a year where Michael Mann, Ridley Scott, and David Fincher all made long gestating passion projects and not a single one received a nomination. For those new to the feed, welcome and thank you for joining. My name's Matt, I'm a teacher, I'm a film lover and I take this all very seriously. And with me will be my wife, Christina, who's also a teacher and much more interested in reading and human interaction and has a much more lighthearted approach to this. Together, we're going to examine each of the 10 nominated films and offer our explanations for why each film could win an Oscar on the big night. We won't always agree, we will veer off track, and we may spar verbally on our takes, hence our honey title. We're so happy you're listening, and we hope you enjoy the return of Ballot Boxing. just discussing what our plan is yeah. for the for this podcast we had a really special afternoon yesterday yeah we did it was for lovely. the first time in our entire time together we you, had, you thought you had maybe done one double bill bef- done one double bill once and what, before and what was it i saw uh deep impact and the truman show when i was 18. so it's been it's been a minute it's been a it's long been 25 time. years yeah <laughs> and yeah a quarter of a century wow wow ancient and uh yeah we saw two movies we saw american fiction which mm-hmm. we will be reviewing next at, a, at another time mm-hmm. and we saw poor things mm-hmm. and, and we're going to do poor things on this episode yeah, and i'm going to try to remain positive hmm. because this isn't a podcast about hating things mm-hmm. it's not a podcast intending to tear anything down this surprises me because i feel like your default setting is negative Yes, but I well, also, especially when you don't I, like something. I think I'm in, I'm interested in people continuing to listen to us, and I think if we come in hot and tear apart movies and well, suggest that they're it. not I good, I liked it. I know you did. Mm-hmm. You liked it more than I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, you know I'm I'm going to try to I'm trying I want to seek the positive in this one. All right. And I can I can make a case mm-hmm. why it should be mm-hmm. considered a best picture i think it might actually win so i, I hope that, that doesn't that's like if, if barbie wins for me and i said i'll never watch the oscars again um by the way just for the record everyone i've spoken to who listens to the podcast by the way shout out to new friend of the podcast lamers at <laughs> bobby public school greetings greetings yeah um everybody i've spoken to who's listened to it is like yeah i also hated barbie so I'm not alone. In yeah, that. and I, I'm glad that we didn't re-record because I feel like I would have softened my opinion and it wouldn't have been true. I discussed Sarvi briefly today with um, my film class mm. and came in. We're talking about mise en scène, which mm-hmm. is the, the French term for everything in front of the camera, mm-hmm. and suggested that like if, if I'm reading the subtext, if you and I watch that movie and we read the subtext that it's it it is a certain way, then then that's legitimate. Like it, it, it wasn't there by accident. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like our opinion is illegitimate at all. I just, no. and the, there was a couple of the kids in my room mm-hmm. who were nodding along with me in a, like mm-hmm. a very, like, I'm right with you on this. Mm-hmm. And then there was a whole bunch of them, um, 
who were like, I, yo, I won't watch that. You know, a couple of boys. Because you didn't like it? or like No, they... because it's a girl movie. Oh, I've got a couple of God. very enlightened young men who are like, mm. yeah, nah, nah. Cool. Yeah, it doesn't oh. have enough of, uh, you know, gunfights and things in it. Right, okay. Anyway, right. it's not Maybe what we're here to do. Maybe they will one day. Maybe they'll have some girlfriend that'll be like, because I guarantee some adorable young ladies like, let's watch Barbie. They're not going to say no. Yeah. They can nah, nah all they want, but yeah, they're going to say, they okay. They won't get it either. No, that's fine. Yeah. I don't know that I did. Um, okay, so, so poor things. Poor things. We're gonna talk about poor things, and I'm going to attempt to summarize. Right, and it just—I <laughs> maybe it, should have written something down. It, it won, I think, the Audience Award or the Palme d'Or mm-hmm. at Cannes. But none of the actors could be there because it was during the strike. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the director or somebody was there yes. to accept the award, and it got a 15-minute standing ovation. Yeah, as the, the French, French, the French the love. French are nuts. They love avant-garde film, and I think this is the probably the most avant-garde. Oh my god! Of the films, absolutely. Um, and it's trying awfully hard. And <laughs> I, I, have seen more of Yorgos Lanthimos's films than you have. Mm-hmm. I don't know that you've seen. Well, you've seen the favorite. Mm-hmm. I've seen the lobster. You saw the lobster? Yeah. yeah, it was the weird one with Colin Farrell. That's right. Yes, I didn't yeah. make it all the way through. Yeah. yeah. I thought this movie called out for Colin Farrell in the Mark Ruffalo role, but mm. I digress. We'll get to that later. Okay. Please um, do your oh, best to summarize. Jesus. And right. oh, by the way, this is certainly not a family friendly film. And, no. And I think some of your descriptions of the plot. There's so much sex. A lot of it. So much sex. And it's none of it's erotic. <laughs> no. It's all played for comedy, I think. I don't know about that. There's nothing sensual or like I don't touching know. about She's anything like, well, that's no, happening. No, not not touching. I mean, not in that regard, anyways. Um, I just think it's like very. I think it's supposed to be like her finding herself. Yeah. In that regard, mm-hmm. I didn't think it was like that's really on the nose. Of course, that's what it's about. Funny. Yeah. I don't know. Um. Okay. So. It's uh. This will be great. <laughs> I can't wait to listen. To it. It's gonna be you've terrible. got you've got four and a half five minutes to. This is gonna be really bad. Explain guys. this in a way that's. Uh, makes sense. Makes any mm-hmm. sense at all. Good okay. luck. So I think I think it's a movie in five acts. There's literally title cards before each act. Each act takes place in a different place, physically a different place. So we start off with in London with Bella, who is the creation of mad scientist Willem Dafoe. And Willem Dafoe God, Godwin. Godwin. Baxter. Yep. And uh Who she calls God. Who she calls God. Again, a little on the nose. Um, and uh, she she is his creation, which we, we get to later on, what actually happened to her. The, the, the opening scene of the movie is the back of Emma Stone's head. Uh, you never see her face throwing herself off of a bridge um, into the water. And, and a motif where everything is blue. Yes. Which, mm-hmm. are we going to continue to say the phrase on the nose, but it's symbol, mm-hmm. symbolic of her sadness, mm-hmm. right? A, a deep sure. abiding sadness draped in blue. Sure. So, um, and we find out why. So she kills herself right at the beginning. He finds her body. He, he reanimates her in a way. And um, he's covered in scars and has all these weird, uh, like, habitual things that he does. Um, in order to eat, he's hooked up to a machine and he burps these weird bubbles. And it takes place in an alternate like scientifically alternate reality that has like a real steampunk um what's the word it's like a steampunk fairy tale sure erotic steampunk fairy tale erotic feminist steampunk fairy tale uh aesthetic is the word i was looking for and uh and like nothing like it's not our world like that's all there is to it because the science doesn't work 
So um, he, Willem Dafoe, mad scientist Willem Dafoe, who is apparently just... Uh, Maybe descended from Frankenstein? Frankenstein? Maybe. It's never spoken. No. But this is like a hundred years later, so he is the son of the son of the son of. Maybe. And has been experimented on himself. Has been experimented on himself. That's important. So he's covered in scars and has all these weird things. And he uh, is also a professor at university and hires one of his students to take notes on Bella. That student, Max, eventually falls in love with Bella. Bella is like a child, like a like an 18-month-old at the beginning in a woman's body as far as words and, and actions go. Um, but then as the movie progresses, Emma Stone does an excellent job of very gradually increasing um, back almost all the way to being a, a normal human being. Yeah, her vocabulary improves, her, mm-hmm. her motor function improves, mm-hmm. Max, her, her uh, cognition improves. Max uh, wants to marry her, and Willem Dafoe is, is the one who suggested it, but says, you have to stay with me. So in drawing up the legal documentation in order to make a marriage and uh, this prison sentence happen, um, we encounter Mark Ruffalo, who is a shady lawyer who also fall in love, falls in love with Bella, because apparently she's the most beautiful person anyone's ever seen, and uh, runs away with her. Around this time, Bella also discovers sexual pleasure and uh, feels like Mark Ruffalo is like the bad boy she needs to figure it all out with. He takes her away, leading to act two, which is Lisbon. Lisbon. They're in Lisbon for a little while, and then they he ends up kidnapping her. She She doesn't understand... Well, she claims to not understand that she should only be sleeping with Mark Ruffalo. And he eventually falls in love with her, despite having never fallen in love with anyone else. And he kidnaps her onto a boat, which leads to Act 3, which is is Athens. They're Alexandria. In, Alexandria, sorry. They're in Alexandria, um, where someone she meets on the boat exposes her to poverty and, like, dead and dying people and babies, which is the only thing that seems to actually emotionally affect her in the entire movie, which I didn't think made any sense. And uh, she decides that she needs to, like, help these people. In helping these people, she ends up giving away all of Mark Ruffalo's money. And they are deposited back in Paris, leading to Act, what are we on now? Four. Four, um, Where she becomes a prostitute. Uh, Back at home, Max and uh, Willem Dafoe, who willingly let her go despite being engaged to Max. They decided she needed to, like, experience the world before they married her off um is uh, willem dafoe is very ill and so they get a hold of her and say that he's very ill she comes this is a complicated movie yeah. jesus she comes home after being a whore for like a year prostitute for a year and like really like figuring out things through that process both Apparently. financially and like emotionally and sexually politically politically yeah she gets back home and uh is about to marry max and her the original person that she was married to before she killed herself shows up at the wedding and stops it and she goes home with him turns out he's a horrible human being and long story short she ends up becoming the mad scientist and turning him into a goat wow you did it thank you with a few seconds to spare we're taking a break that was exhausting (laughs) (laughs) be right back Just for the record, the five acts are London, she's like a child. Lisbon, she's like a late teenager who's like effing everything. Um, she's then in, don't tell me, she's in, Alex, don't tell me, Alexandria, where she's like in her, like, I'm just thinking about her life, right? Yeah. She's like in her mid-20s and is understanding that the world is a horrible place and is bigger than she understood before. Then she's in Paris and is like figuring herself out as a young woman. So I'm going to say like, like compared to us now, early 30s. And then 
she ends up back in London. That's Act Five. Yes. So it for some reason, over the so course of three years, she has like an entire life's worth of yes. intellectual development going on. And something I didn't mention in my madcap recap there is um, that we find out that when she killed herself, she was pregnant. And what Willem Dafoe has done is taken the brain of the infant that was alive in her. Her body was dead. Infant was alive. Use the infant brain, put it into Emma Stone's head. So that's why she's developed as like a baby to uh, a young woman. Right. Because he had no interest in being a parent. Because if he was interested in that, he would have just kept the baby who still lived it in was, the womb. It was all for scientific progress, Matt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, there's like a lot of grotesque. Yeah. Um, absurdity mm-hmm. that pushes the envelope in terms of like in every way yeah it's it's really quite something so yeah, i think it. you summarized it yeah it's to- totally spoiled yeah. um trust but... me yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't i was saying this to you earlier i would never recommend this movie to any anyone even though i like gave it three and a half on letterboxd i would never recommend this to anyone i can't think of anyone in our lives that would be like oh yeah i'm into that it's funny that as a 43 year old happily married man very interested in film. I'm sort of embarrassed that we watched this in public. I thought and that I, too. And like the, with two were, other men. There in were the two theater. men, lone men. You know, thank yeah. God we never looked back because I don't know what was happening. Mm-hmm. Emma Stone is naked for probably a quarter like, of the film. Yeah, I was going to say, 30%, if not more. Yeah. And her nudity isn't just like lounging around. She's like actively engaged in mm-hmm. sex yeah. constantly. Um, and it's. There's a lot of noise, sex noise and mm-hmm. moaning and, and I don't think like, it, I don't feel, I feel okay about spoiling this because furious anybody, jumping. furious jumping. Yeah. That that's what she calls it. The, the, um, the trailer gives all this away as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that we're, we're really revealing anything that anybody who'd be interested in this movie wouldn't already know. No. And the aesthetic is really what's important here. I would say not, I don't think that the plot is as important as the aesthetic in this movie. Like the, the... This is like a sexually deranged Tim Burton film, though. Yeah, like, it's not. Really Gilmore del Toro might have done something interesting with this. I thought Yorgos. Okay, I'm I'm beginning to complain, and I don't want to do that, right? I, I wanted to. You're allowed to say why you didn't like it. I will. Okay. I will when the time. All right. Comes. Well, I, I think that time is now. Okay. Well, normally we I start. I can say with... why I liked it. Okay, yeah, what please. Do we start with. We usually begin with what what you liked about it. Why, if if we're making the case again. Okay. I guess we could quickly say like I've already said I don't I don't care for this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't watch it again. And like you, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody mm-hmm. unless they were a real cinephile mm-hmm. or you know wanted to be a Yorgos Lanthimos completist. Um, or an Emma Stone completist. Yeah. Um, I, it, this is just, it was a difficult sit. And mm-hmm. like 20 minutes into this one, mm-hmm. I whispered to you, like, I hate this. Mm-hmm. I softened a little as the film went on. Me too. Because like, I got I really it, but I also felt, I felt like it was over long. Yeah. And um, not particularly um, shocking. I don't mm-hmm. think the like the revelations about what her origins were or that the husband turns up at the end. Like I knew that was going to happen. Mm. Um, it didn't surprise me in the least. Mm-hmm. The fact that Willem Dafoe's character wanted to imprison her in the house suggested that like she couldn't be out in London where mm-hmm. he found her because there'd be people looking for her. Mm-hmm. Um, there'd be people who recognize her. They're not looking for her because they think that she died and is in the river. Well, right, they're not actively looking for her. I suppose but... if she left a note or something, but if mm. she was just missing, yeah, then... I guess. Um, so I just like I struggled with this one, and I, I can understand on an artistic level, and we'll get into why we think it could win, but you know, why it's been well received. But I also think that, 
like I, I don't know. I'm entitled to my visceral uh, you know, uh, response to this, and my visceral response, puritanical response. It's okay. To this was, I think that's like that's yeah, part it's of you, late right? Catholic guilt. Yes. Yeah. It, but I just didn't. I didn't get it. Or what I what I did get about it, I didn't care mm -hmm. about. Um, but let's let's quickly just say like why why could this film win Best Picture in your because estimation? Because it's fearless. That's the word I keep coming back to. There's nothing in this movie that was like timid or held back. Everything was like, yeah, we're gonna rebuild Lisbon in a steampunk aesthetic with like um, gondolas in the sky that look like bubbles. Like we're just gonna, everybody, everybody and everything to do with this movie is going for it. And I don't just mean the acting because mm -hmm. the acting is definitely going for it. But so is the set designers, the costume designers, the makeup people, like everybody it really, I think, got the concept. So the whole movie comes across as completely fearless. This is what I wanted to put on a screen. This is what I'm putting on the screen. Yeah. I think that's, that's a, a perfectly valid mm -hmm. read on it. I, I can't disagree. I would say, is that all? Is that your Yeah, main I think so. Emma Stone's really, really good yeah, in it. That's that was my first point. I think Willem Dafoe was really good in it. I think like it's it's I don't know. It's it's gonna stay with me for a while, right? Like it's not gonna be one we ever forget. Mm. Um yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of uh, like a lot of detail. I'm never gonna watch it again. But I said to you yesterday, the whole thing's a metaphor for something that I can't quite put my finger on. But I've got a feeling upon second viewing, it would become more and more clear because there's it's so richly detailed that I think that you probably miss a lot on first viewing. Yeah. But I don't want to watch it again because yeah. it's not an enjoyable watch. Yeah. So I would agree that Emma Stone's performance is, is the, the showstopper here. Mm -hmm. And I think she's legitimately got a chance to win Best Actress. Mm -hmm. I think that I, I still believe that Lily Gladstone's likely to be the, the, the front runner here. Yes. And um i don't i don't necessarily think that's that should be the case i think emma stone is is mesmerizing here you don't and, think and she's on screen constantly you think carrie mulligan's gonna win not anymore really yeah carrie mulligan's performance what the what isn't out of the scope of like normal human behavior this is a very richly drawn character that emma stone's portraying and i think the physicality early on when she's toddling around and behaving like a baby mm -hmm. and the way she speaks and her facial expressions and everything about like the, the camera seems to really adore her i think that uh her performance is is really outstanding mm -hmm. so that's one reason I, I agree with you entirely also about the set design and production design the costuming the makeup her eyebrows and hair and everything mm -hmm. like it's just it's all a choice mm -hmm. It's it's a consistent choice. It's consistently weird. Mm -hmm. It's often off-putting. Um, I don't think she's that good looking. Emma I'm going to put it right out there. I think that like um, I'm trying to think of other other actresses that I would compare to her, not in the like bad way, but like I just think that there are there are groups. Michelle Williams is a little bit like this, where like they're just very unique looking. They're not. I don't find Emma Stone to be like stunningly gorgeous no. she can be when she's got i think she's got great bone structure so when they make her up for the oscars or whatever for an award ceremony she looks great but if you see her not with no makeup but just with like regular people makeup on like colbert or whatever we were i watched that video that i was telling you mm -hmm. about um and she didn't really get into what it was a metaphor for just for the record mm -hmm. uh i just i when they're like oh she's the most beautiful woman i'm like what are you talking about it didn't make sense no me. i think that's part of the fantasy of the, like absurd a, world that she's in in a in an alternate non-scientific steampunk 
yeah. universe, she's she's, she's it. Well, right. relative to every other woman we see on screen, I guess. Right. I mean, the the other prostitutes and the. I thought the black woman was way better looking yeah. than her. Um, Our socialist. It was, it, so it's, I'm going to go quick here. It's it's unique. Yep. For among sure. The, uh, there's nothing else that's like this Mm-mm. remotely ever. Never mind among the nominees. Well, I mean, there's other Lanthimos movies that are similarly absurd and, and darkly like this, humorous, though. but like. And for those that found it funny, they find it very funny. This is like Lanthimos with an unending budget, I think. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. This, you know, like the, I'm going to go punch that baby mm-hmm. um, in the, That's the furious jumping. And the, like some people find the sex scenes like really ribald and mm. I just didn't get it. Mm. Um, Punching the baby's funny. I'm, I'm sorry. It just is. Okay. I'm gonna go, like, cause we've all had that feeling, right? We've all had that. Well, yeah, in a restaurant like or an airplane. Her whole character is, um, you know, somebody with no conscience or and no morality yes. and no filter. Mm-hmm moving through life but it's yeah. not an un, it's not a recognizable society or life that's no. just moving through so it's 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 i don't know it's strange for the sake of being strange do you want to take a quick break and you can come back with whatever else notes you have there? yeah i have i have the things that i the reasons i think it may might not win. win oh it might it may not, not win, win. Okay. those are the reasons i think it will i've got a reason or two why i think it won't we'll be right back with that in the questions <laughs> lost a clip and matt's mad yeah eight and a half minutes of gold uh, we have good stuff there i'm sorry well you were starting with yeah we started with the why reasons it, why it may not win it may not win so i have four the first is that you know at the core of the story you have a child or at least a mental child mm-hmm. in an adult's body having sex mm-hmm. with adults who are manipulating her and it's something uh i don't don't know it's not pedophilia but it's it's akin to it's akin to it it's certainly uncomfortable Mm -hmm. um so i think like there may be those who see that as being a bridge too far in terms of like the sexual audaciousness of it Mm -hmm. and may have a problem with that Mm. um additionally uh, and this will, nobody would agree with me here on this. I'm sure he's been okay. nominated for an Oscar, but I found Mark Ruffalo's performance scenery chewing in the worst ways. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't like him. I know I'm not supposed to like him, but I also didn't find him funny. Mm-hmm. I actually just found him quite irritating. Mm-hmm. Uh, to just circle back there on your, the mental child thing. I thought that by the time she was having sex, she was supposed to be like kind of a mid to late teen mentally so i thought that that was the only thing that i could like rationalize it to make it okay for myself but i had that same that same reaction yeah. i had that same like wait a minute she's still not an adult she's still not an adult yeah. and mark ruffalo is very much an adult and he knows exactly yeah what she is yeah um well no he doesn't he doesn't know that she's a creation of her father he thinks she's just kind of like a simpleton okay a gorgeous that. Yeah. She's the most beautiful yeah. beautiful r word right is what yeah. max calls her yeah right so right yeah that word was in it too yeah so um i also thought that it was overlong mm-hmm. it has a really draggy middle section mm-hmm. i thought the whole boat sequence didn't work at all and it was like the the worst part of the film mm-hmm. and that's where ruffalo's really going for it going for it getting mm-hmm. after it and emma stone's character as she's starting to settle down a little bit is less interesting yes. while on the boat she's been imprisoned Yes. essentially on the boat and well and freaked out because there were some dead babies despite not being seemingly emotional emotionally well yeah what's available. the yeah there's no there's no context in her life for her to have any thoughts whatsoever no. about babies no 
So, like, why would she care? It was really strange. I thought that was the only part in the entire movie. Like, there's lots of, it's a fantasy, so there's lots of parts that are unbelievable. That did not ring true to me with her character. I do not think, I, in fact, I told you this on the way home, thought that it was, like, an an, like in, an accidental anti-feminist moment in what is otherwise a feminist fairy tale because um, I thought that was very much, like, how a man would assume a woman would react oh she's automatically despite her character saying i've noticed a real lack of maternal instinct right well apparently not when you saw dead babies you're freaked right out yeah. i just thought that was like really ridiculous and i think that probably they thought it was a bridge too far to have her not react to that they mm. needed her to freak out in order to give the money away in order for ruffalo to be broken in order for her to become a prostitute like that was just very convenient mm -hmm. that 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 action which makes no sense led to the rest of the movie it was like oh give me a break yeah it's out of it's out of sync with yeah with tone. it makes no sense yeah um and like ultimately uh, this wins the try hard award mm -hmm. like it's 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 trying hard it's going for it i mm -hmm. think it's obvious yeah. in its effort i think that its production shows it didn't feel natural or i don't need it to feel real but it mm -hmm. didn't feel plausible mm -hmm. in any way it didn't they didn't seem like human beings and so their motivations don't really resonate mm -hmm. right like willem dafoe i suppose he's got some sort of like paternal protective instinct around bella but he's also like so cold and calculating and scientific and mm -hmm. dissecting people and things that like, i don't i don't know if he's capable of any real human emotion and the men all seem to act lustily mm -hmm. all the time which is a oversimplification mm -hmm. um and I just, I didn't, I just didn't get it. I didn't get it. I, don't, I Ultimately, I didn't get it. I'm sort of embarrassed not to have gotten it. Mm. Because I, as I wrote in my Letterboxd review, like, I think there's more to this and I'm just not seeing it. I hate that impression as well, but I can't find a whole lot online about it. Yeah. I want to say too, just to, to go back to what we started the last episode with. Um, if the, I, I'm all for the Academy nominating art films, quote unquote, artistic, right? But... If they don't want to alienate their audience, they shouldn't nominate something that is unwatchable and unknowable for 70% of the viewing audience. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, this being nominated will alienate people, especially if it wins. Yeah. It'll be like, well, what? it'd be like that you're the Arcade Fire. I mean, we're Arcade Fire fans, but like when Arcade Fire won the Grammy, it was sort of the beginning of the end of the Grammys, right? And they're only starting to recover from it now, I think. And that might be like a Taylor Swift, Beyonce effect. Um, that year, everybody was like, well, I, don't even, I haven't even heard of this band. Why would I bother to tune into this stupid award ceremony? Right. It's art artists giving other artists awards. It has nothing to do with me. And I think that this fits into that category. I don't think this is a smart nomination. It's not, it's not a populist no. Uh, nominee at all. No. no, and like I said, I'm I'm fine with like art films being nominated, but this one I think is several bridges too far for the average moviegoer. Yeah. Okay, let's take a quick break and I'll come back with the questions. Oh boy, okay. All right, so... Question time. Questions. Christina's favorite. Yeah, um, okay. Get your English degree out. I'm ready. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you read Frankenstein. I know this about yes, you. I, I know that you've greatly enjoyed the I got, novel. I got into an argument with my, I took a course in third year. You know this, Matt. I'm saying this for the listening audience. Uh, I took a science fiction course, which was a cross-listed English and cultural studies course. 
friend of the pod, Joe was in that class with me and I fell in love with the professor. He was like young and hip and had a, well, hip's probably the wrong word, but he was young and he had a rolly suitcase. Um, and I still email him when I read a good science fiction novel. And uh, I, it was the very first book we read for, for science fiction. And I got in like a full on argument with the professor about that book. I'm trying to think of what the argument was about. It had something to do with whether or not the monster was good, I think. Right. At his core. Because it, he accidentally kills people, right? It's not, it's not on purpose. No intent. No intent. So does that make him good or not? And, and Dr. Murphy did not agree with me that the monster was inherently good. Mm. And it wasn't his fault that he had been created, you know? Um, so is, the, is this an extension of the Frankenstein story? I think it attempts to be. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the the point of Frankenstein as a science fiction, maybe the the original science fiction, mm -hmm. it is. That's it, why it was the first yeah, book in the course. Is that that, that man should have limits? Yes. That science should should be respected, and that science shouldn't be made to intent to interfere with things that are spiritual, yes. godlike. And that's a very 1800s view, there, Mary Shelley, isn't it? And yeah. I think that this movie takes that and flips it on its head and that our director's view is the opposite. No, no, let's just science everything forever to death. Yeah. It, it just, this, is, whole... this is the way that, or maybe it's a comment on society. Maybe this is the bigger metaphor that we're missing is that like, it's a comment on like, we have gone too far and now it's too late to turn back. Right. We've created the monster and now the monster's in charge. Right. And the monster's actually smarter than everybody mm -hmm. and doesn't, follow a moral code either mm -hmm. unless it's dead babies unless it's dead babies. okay yeah uh all right next question unrelated this is a bit of a zag mm -hmm. one portuguese tart unacceptable <laughs> what uh, right a, there, we need to explain that scene do we okay yeah there's a scene where they're in lisbon and he's and mark ruffalo is teaching a... emma stone how to eat a portuguese tart which is apparently to shove the whole thing in your mouth which i don't think is real well, yeah i'm not i'm never doing that just for the record they're, first of all they're too big i have a big mouth i can shove a whole donut in my mouth and i wouldn't do that to a portuguese tart they're too good no yeah that's um, not, that's, no, no. there's no way that's how it's that's supposed, not to supposed to be a thing but he says one is enough and that is incorrect yeah Three is a good number. Three is a great number. Three's, three, three yeah. and a cup of tea. I think yeah. that I'm gonna get a T-shirt that says that. Um, they are delicious. Yeah, the, yeah. He's 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 um, trying to introduce her to all the central pleasures of of life, and, mm -hmm. and that's one of them. And I would agree. That's like among the, the greatest pastries I've ever had. Agreed. Is a is a lovely Portuguese tart. Thank mm -hmm. you, Andrew. Um, did, did we find Andrew Vedowitz introduce us? Yes, to us? he's did the one that really? brought them to us the I first time. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, oh, food husband. Yeah, that's nice. That's his full name that just went out on the pod. Oh, that's fine. That. Okay. We won't care. Um, Yorgos is Yorgos's films. Mm -hmm. uh, his sense of humor. Do you do you yeah. get it? I, I don't want to get it. Yeah. I don't. I'm not interested. No, I, I I've seen some of the lobster, all of the favorite, and all of this one. And I'd say out of those three films, this one would probably be my favorite. But that is not saying much. Mm. And he could have made no films and I wouldn't be missing them. Yeah. I've seen one of his more obscure ones, harder to find in Greek. Mm. It was on Criterion Channel. I think it was called Kineta or something like that. Mm. He, I find it. He's an acquired taste I have yet to acquire mm -hmm. fully. Um, I didn't mind the lobster. I found the lobster f funnier mm -hmm. because of how absurd it was. But it's also like, I think there's something really unsettling about all of it. All mm. of his... Like, it, the lens through which he views the world. He sees grotesquery everywhere, mm -hmm. the cruelty, 
There's a lot of cruelty. Oh, your word? Yeah. Oh, I think so. It's a good word. I don't think I coined it. All right. Uh, I think Shelly coined it, actually. You should have paid more attention when you read it. Should have, probably. Yeah, I was drunk the whole time. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Emma Stone. She's she's nude. Yeah. She's very nude. All the entire time. All the, good for all her. the angles. Yeah. Tiny little boobs. Yeah. Uh, um, is it empowering or exploitative? And I ask this because you've got a, a male filmmaker and all male co-stars. Do you think she was walking around on the set thinking like, I feel great about this and I'm in charge? Or was there at some point Well, I wouldn't know that. a pang of conscience? Like, oh, no. I don't like what they're... I mean, she agreed to make the film. She no, must have I, thought it was important. I read the trivia on the film. And so I know that Emma Stone at least claims to have been very empowered by this and that she agreed to do like all the nudity the director wanted her to do because that would be what was true to Bella. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't think it was exploitative at all. No. Um, no. And I don't think Emma Stone would agree to it if it was. I see. I think because I'm a cynic. No, I like I, negative. I, no, because I'm older yeah. than Emma Stone. I felt, I felt like it was exploitative watching yeah. her go through it all. Yeah. I don't know. Like it, uh, I don't know. There's something there's, I was unsettled. Uh, that's my, that's my descriptor. Ultimately, I was unsettled by this film. Finally. Um, would you want to see the continuing adventures of Bella in some way? No. If she kept her clothes on? No, thank you. She had a political career. No, thank something. you. Yeah. No. As what? I mentioned, he could never make another movie again. I wouldn't miss it. Right. Right. Uh, this is, goes back to my theory about entertain me and teach me something. Yeah. This maybe uh, attempted to do both, but was very unsuccessful. I don't think we're stupid people. We may not be the brightest people on the planet, but I don't think we're stupid people. And I think that perhaps uh, the point of this movie was missed by 95% of the, of the people that saw it. Okay. So wrap real quick. We're wrapping. We have four films now that we've reviewed. Um, give us a quick ranking. Oh, but I can't, I can't include the other one we haven't. No, you can't. So for right now, well, the four we've seen. Okay. Barbie at the bottom, obviously. Oh, then, oh, okay. then this one. All right. Then Maestro, then the holdovers. See, I'd put this one at the bottom. I'd put this one under Barbie. Yeah, I know. Barbie was didn't leave me feeling as unsettled. I didn't feel unsettled. I keep saying unsettled over and over again. I need to come up with a new word. Well, I didn't feel unsettled by this movie. I did at the beginning and then I kind of got over it. Okay. But uh no, I think it was I it was interesting and fearless and artistic and I think all those things, whenever you see something like that, right? Like if you see like a dance, like anything in art. If you see a, a new symphony and there's sections that are dissonant and you don't enjoy hearing them, or you see a dance where there's a, a part of it that you're like, oh, that doesn't even look like dance, right? I still think that those things are important for the moving forward, right. the propelling of the art, progress, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, for the progress, the progression of that specific art form. Right. I think this movie is like that. That doesn't mean I have to have to like it or ever watch it again or whatever. I can still value it for its fearlessness and forward thinking without being like, and it was my favorite movie of all time. Right. Okay. It certainly wasn't. All right. Yeah. But I still, I still didn't like Barbie more because this movie didn't make me feel sad. And Barbie did. Mm. And I don't know if you know this, Matt, but I hate crying. Yes. I hate crying. Yes. And I don't like feeling sad. So. Okay. You I can't, it. I can't wait to review. Yeah. American the next, fiction. the next one is a very positive review. Oh, we're going to, we're going to talk American fiction. So next. good. Like, like might be top five. I was telling another different colleague about it today. And I was like, honestly, might be top five films of all time for me. 
Wow. Really. That I enjoyed it that much. Because right. because that's all we need to say. We can well, skip the review. Well, no, it just it, just, it fulfills both of my categories. It doesn't does. It, it doesn't like and, and like with with panache. Yes. Fulfills both with panache. I'd I'd see it again today. Same. Absolutely. Same. Yeah. Okay. So next time American fiction. And then we're on to some other ones. That... Past Lives is probably going to follow that. We, yeah, we bought a copy of it, and then it turns out it's on Prime. Well, so whatever. we're going to we'll figure it out. And then Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. We have to watch. Killers, and then we've got the two foreign language films that are, are will be remaining after that. Right. Anatomy of the Fall and Zone of Interest. And, and Zone so of Interest is going to be hardest to find. Really we're probably going to have to go to the theater to see that. A one. really tough get, and and that one. Unless somebody's got a screener out there that can send it to us. Oh my God, please! Um, I think Zone of Interest, like might be sooner than you think recording wise because we may have to get it in, in the next couple of weeks get to the theater before and see it, it vanishes before it vanishes yeah. forever yeah way to go academy all right that's it for this for this episode yes it is all right thanks for listening everybody thanks <laughs> and we'll see you next time next time bye for now